Welcome back to part two of my interview with Heidi Cray. In part one, we left off with Heidi sharing her experience on facing the feeling of imminent death. On this episode, we begin with Heidi describing how she came out on the other side. And the life that I wanted wasn't one that was racing towards death or, or abuse or like, you know, I had, I had stopped hurting myself for a while in, in most of the surface ways, right? Um, but then when I was with him, uh, toward, especially towards the end, I started reaching for sharp things again and, um, and seeing that I was like, this isn't, this isn't where I want to go again. So, so I think, I think it really did take going to that, that very, very bottom place for me, um, where I was really up against death in a different way that wasn't, it felt not of my own choice, even though I chose to be with him, um, that I needed to start doing things differently. And so I think I may have been about 25, 26 around that, that point and, and really started throwing myself into writing and sharing my work. I had been writing before and, and sharing a little bit, but but really, really pursuing it in in a big way. Like I feel like I've been such a late bloomer in a lot of ways. I see so many of my students are like, I don't I'm just baffled by how far you are already. Because I'd often start and stop and go like 12, 12 feet, 12 miles back. Um but but that was a point that even though I would still go, I still have my brain. I still have to figure out what I need to do to live with it and to let it let it be the way it is and let my body be the way it wants to be, um, and stay inside my body as much as I can. Um, anyway, so so that was really when I wanted to continue and and really get suck as much as I could out of the marrow of life. Though I think still a lot of um, a lot of fear and uh, and things just from before, knowing that the times that I've left this this area and gone on big adventures were so destructive that I think a lot of that has mentally hold, held me back still, keeping me in in certain like good good practices, but still like. I could, I could be bigger. I could be more the person I want to be. Um, but then around 30, so, so going back to when, when I come to the other side, it was right at 30 that my dad was going into hospice and he was, and I was about to go into grad school. So it was that, that summer that seeing that death right up front and being right with him when he died too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and partly choosing the school I went to go to because it was low residency, because I thought he would possibly be around or probably be around that we, I would keep being able to take care of him mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, why, why I chose the school I went to. Um, so I think coming on the other side of that was a different view of death, both of, of that and also, Several several friends who, um, around and before that time and after that time, um, had either died by suicide or or way way too young from sickness or, you know, jumping a train or something like that. 
And so, so that look at grief that I think I had a, a shaky relationship with that we that we all have different relationships with, um, helped me see a different view of death than one I may have enamored a lot more as a kid. Uh, and then getting into this space that we're in now where um, you could just you could just get into it so much easier, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where where we are in this pandemic and seeing that life is something to hold on to and as much as we as much as we have mm-hmm. the chance. Another another long uh, story. Great, so okay. <laughs> great story. It's never long and it's always good. Always good. Um, and when, whenever I hear like a, a response, sometimes the minute or the details mm. will pop up. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. Kind of, um, I'm curious about it's It's a little specific, but I'm just curious about it. When you began writing, when, when you began writing that process, which helped you then lead to mm-hmm. um, being able to um, come out on the other side, how long did that take so when you started the writing and then that transition out from him because even after you transitioned from him there was still obviously a journey and you your your um your um your like you said you had you know your thoughts your feelings that you had to work with with that because that's that's the leftovers sure you know from there and i'm just curious and the reason why i'm curious how long it takes is because i think that's where it hits home a little bit. For sure. Me, that when you, a realization of something, whether you're conscious of it at the moment or not, but that process, that action that you take, uh, the length of time varies for, for everybody. Yeah. But sometimes when you are aware of it and you try it and it's like, how long does it take? Like, is, is this something that is, when, when will a shift occur of some kind. Do you know okay. what I mean? And so that's why I'm curious about it because I think it's so relatable in so many assets or genres of people's experience, mm-hmm. if you will, um, from being able to fully break from him and then continue um, on that journey for you where you can begin exploring yourself wholly without yeah. that influence. Yeah, I mean, I think there are, there are stages to that that answer. So in terms of being able to to physically leave that person, I was, let's say, I really started into that kind of writing in in fall of of what was the year of '09, and was it? Yeah, yeah. So fall of '09, and I'd say September is when I really started into that process. I think. Um, it could have been a little bit earlier, but I think that that's a safe bet. September, October. And then to the point that I was seeing something was, was wrong. I started actually rereading some of the stuff. I think I really started rereading some of it around the six month mark because I wanted to pile up some, some notebooks. Mm. And I think it was June that I walked out the door on on the phone with my mom and telling her that this is like I'm I'm ready to go and 
Uh, she's getting plane tickets set up. Was it June? I think I think around June, and it could have been May. Um, so so around June, and then you know going back and and t- telling him was another factor. Um, but pulling pulling out and uh, you know working through his anger and uh, and violence and just getting out the door um, after he he you know zoomed off to wherever he was going I I didn't go back much except to grab maybe a little bag um, hoping that no one else was there. And they got me on, like a, a friend of a, my parents got me to the airport. Um, and it's so much of it is a blur around that time. But then as far as breaking away fully, um, there were, you know, there was a lot of messy stuff to deal with once we got back to this area and trying to get me a, a space of my own. Um, and then trying to get any of my stuff back from the place that they had ultimately trashed. Uh, I, like him and a lot of other houseless people that like probably weren't the most trustworthy, but other, other people as well. Um, I, so do, 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 do. I got that, got a new space and started trying to get stuff together, like little, little jobs, little anything. Um, I mean, having, having them pay for my, my parents pay for my apartment for a while and just trying to get, get so I could afford my life has taken a a fair amount of time. I'd say longer than I would have expected. And I, I'm still living with that person in, um, like fighting through the things that I was living through at the time. So anytime I see a white van, like the one that we lived in or um, the Land Rover Discovery that we for some reason bought together that I, uh, that I used all my credit on and had to keep paying off after long after he had like crashed it wherever he was. Um, If I like just had the idea that he is around, I'm in, like, I don't know what I would do. It's yeah. it's still – so I don't know if I'm really past it, but it's something that I'm, I'm living with and working through. So I'm not sure if that's answering your question. It does. But... It does answer the question, mm-hmm. and, and it, it makes perfect sense. And I think it's a, like, friendly reminder that the start of something doesn't mean that necessarily there has to be an end of mm-hmm. some kind where you achieve – really is a continual process right right and it's being able to acknowledge those those steps like you're saying it's a you know um i forget the word you use but it's a phase you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and acknowledging those phases as achievements and progression right is extremely important is how it's landing Mm -hmm. what what i'm hearing and and i think that's so important because you've come a long way and Mm -hmm. you're still working through those things that mm-hmm. still impact you in many ways and 
but you're still moving forward. Right, right, it's, right. It's not holding you back. You're still moving forward. And even if it feels like something's stifling or something's pulling you back, you're still moving forward. It's sure. not the, the, the path is still there. And these mm -hmm. are just things along the path either you're noticing or accidentally, you know, it's kind of bumping up against you or mm -hmm. whatever it mm -hmm. is. And it's just a reminder to remember to that 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 that's important so I appreciate hearing that I appreciate mm. that that sharing of the experience in that way because um and maybe it goes in that perspective per prescriptive because for me that conditioning I'm I'm still undoing a lot of my own conditioning yeah and so mine is really hitting that prescriptive it has to be like very corporate very oh. rigidness right and sometimes I feel like it comes across even even though that's not the true self if you will that i'm yeah. trying to get in there but that that um flexibility to allow that ebb and flow to allow the space mm -hmm. for all of that 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 it's okay to let go like letting go of that rigidness right? yeah yeah of what, of what we think it should look like or i think right because like for me how it's landing for me what you're saying so yeah you know. healing never takes what we think it should. And it's like stages of grief. It mm -hmm. doesn't go. And then you're, you're finally healed. It goes back and forth and get back and forth. And uh, trauma works a lot like that. And of course, so we're in a, a pretty traumatic time yes. right now. Yes. And so all of that can come right back and we mm -hmm. can be living through all of that again. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's so, so hard to be constantly kind to ourselves and uh, find that kind of forgiveness and also living living with that knowing that this is this is an ongoing process yeah. and it's going to be hard and that's okay yeah yeah and I think too not losing the light in there yeah you know what I mean because I think that's I know I'm that's something that I feel like I'm I'm a cha is a challenge mm -hmm. is that light mm -hmm. that light that I felt mm -hmm. is just not there in the same way mm -hmm. so it's yeah I don't know it's just kind of deep, I guess. Mm. It lands on what you're saying. It's yeah, like, yeah, I hear you. Good, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a struggle to find it sometimes. Now I totally hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it, hearing it just is a friendly reminder, but it's also like it's okay. Yeah, like you said, yeah, feel your feelings. It is, <laughs> it is, it is. Okay. It is rough out there right now yeah. so I think that we spend a lot of our time denying that or at least I like I'm I'm really good at being in that river of denial and it's uh it's easy to put up those those walls or we learn how to do that right but how do we how do we live where where we are and and still manage to find lightness too it's it's a really great question I think of so many people living in um I mean, we're also so privileged right now. Like, I'm so privileged in, in this place where I'm, I can be vaccinated and, and healthy and um, I can seek out at least waiting lists for, for mental health clinics. It's such a long waiting list now, right? right. But, but having, having a job and having a, a place to live and um, things that I, I didn't know to appreciate before, right? Mm -hmm. I think about people living constantly in war people women in afghanistan right now people in um any anywhere where where th arts and theater aren't even allowed i think about yeah. like iran and the 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 days of like 
70s through the 90s and mm. the book Persepolis, like people going, trying to seek out places to dance. You may have experienced that in Romania as well. Like people where we're, we're just gathering to make art is a crime. Like having that that deep need to go together and be together and to create something and to practice being and seeing humanity in a in a different light in a poetic light in a different ways it's so necessary so Mm -hmm. i think that we can trick ourselves in this world where at least in this country entertainment rules over over art and sometimes they can they can coalesce and they can coexist um but knowing that we need that space to be together and be with be with lightness and comedy and and arts of all kinds is really key Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. I agree. Oh, I like the way that that is very soothing. The way you're saying it. Oh, so, <laughs> I love good. It. Um, so in everything you're saying makes me think of what you created and sort of the work that you began to produce. Um, I think it's a good transition into into taking that experience and how did your producing your work then sort of begin to evolve and and you beginning to explore like creating um, um, plays and poetry and short, you know, short uh, stories and, and sort of that journey of then getting those realized to be on Mm -hmm. stage and performed in, in, in whatever capacity that looked like. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky to, to have some experience of that in, in undergrad and having um, having some of those works produced in in student so- showcases at least, and um, and then right before I left with the uh, left in the van, um, I, I had a, a piece that came out as a um, as a collaboration with something that was going on at the time called the um, Boise Experimental Music Festival, and and they were really awesome and offering this this space in a collaboration with with uh, a musician and and creating a a, a piece of theater there like su- super super fringe low budget but a lot of fun um so i think that i had that touchstone to to remember that that was something where i the last time i had felt myself mm-hmm. and so coming back i was incredibly lucky um, working on this play I'd started in in college as a one act, and I spent the summer on my on my typewriter because I didn't have a computer because he'd sold it. Um, so I found a typewriter and and started, or it was one that my brother had given me like way way back when that I didn't didn't let go of. Um, I started like revising it as a as a full length on this like this old old typewriter that was hard to use and uh, making it into that to that piece that eventually I was able to uh, put into a, another another Mac like an old old one that I nice. found and and submitted it to Seven Devils Playwrights Conference and unbelievably got it accepted for their 2011 conference, which was a, a major boost in my confidence. And I was like suddenly around all of these 
very professional people doing this kind of work in in McCall from all over uh, all over the country, mostly mostly New York. And I had this in, an, an incredible, unbelievable experience with uh, Samuel D. Hunter as my dramaturg and like a, a mentor, just just taking me and and treating me and my play like like it mattered and. And I think that in itself was was such a, a launching pad, even if like that play hasn't gotten produced and there's, you know, there's a lot of that. I, I very much love theater development conferences and, and, our, and our love for developing work, but often they can get in a cycle of perpetual development hell. Um, but still like just that, that place, that nurturing ground where especially at, at this particular organization, we were learning, I was learning, not only that I could have this, this play here, but that people would treat me in the way that I'm writing it seriously and not try to do anything to change it and teaching me how to let my work be talked about and to let other people work on it. And, and that was incredibly powerful. Um, and it helped me as I just continued working on getting getting work out and getting new new works, um, I was able to get uh, because I'd been to that conference. Then readings in New York through that organization and others, and in uh, other capacities, they were able to help as an umbrella organization for self-produced works here, and um, and then working with a lot of other companies in, in small ways and piling up rejection after rejection, um, and, and poetry here and there. So I think that for, for a while I was really running and, uh, just creating work after work after work and, uh, and, and just seeing how each, each piece I could become more. Uh, more me is, I guess, the thing that I'm trying to say, or something that is um, closer to the the voice that I'm I'm craving, and not what I was taught it should be should be like. Um, so I guess that was the beginning of of that. Yeah, because right, your voice should be your voice, not a prescriptive sort of way right. of color, or color palette, right? Or, or what you're what you think is going to get produced, or what you think lives in this Aristotelian ideal world of what theater is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And so out of everything, and one thing I think is important to note is that that hustling that, and I witnessed once I knew you and began to, um, um, parentheses stuff, you know, <laughs> but like follow your work and, and all the things you were doing. And when you posted, like, there was that year where you submitted to like a hundred uh-huh. different uh -huh. places and sort of you sort of mark that journey I'm just like wow like that that's important that sure. keep going in that way that those rejection letters will only lead to that acceptance one and that not yeah. to, to internalize that or or allow that to sort of pull you back yeah it's absolutely part of that journey again it's yeah just on, the, on the side there and so out of everything that you have produced whether it's poetry uh story or play which one sort of stands out that you enjoy the most creating or writing or producing or having it produced and seen? Which one um, did you, in, I guess, both enjoy creating, writing, uh -huh. um, uh, getting that story out, and then also 
because that doesn't necessarily mean that you liked necessarily how it ended up being produced and okay. came out, right? Like maybe the production could be a favorite one could be different. Yeah, I mean they're all they're all different, and yeah. um, in terms of enjoying enjoying the process, it's interesting. They're they're very different processes for me, and even though I started writing poetry as a as a kid. I, f- I feel so much I'm an, an amateur in that in that world or in in like the the fiction short fiction or longer fiction or essay world or anything like that um, but it was it was a reverse of that when I first studying studied started studying playwriting and I felt very much a duck out of water I, I didn't I had no idea no concept of the form and I think because it was so hard for me I I kept just bullheadedly coming coming back and saying like I don't the structure is so rigid at least the way it was taught to me and I don't like I'm just like having such trouble like fitting myself into that or what it's supposed to be so for a long time I don't I don't think I enjoyed that at all but I think that the way that I especially through practices that I've learned from people like Natalie Goldberg or Julia Cameron with the artist way or um I'm looking at my, my shelf, um, the Louise de Salvo with writing as a way of healing and the art of slow writing and, and other, other processes that are much more about the subconscious first draft that, that comes, comes out how it comes out. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot more playwrights right now working in that, in that zone now, so that now screenwriting feels like such more of a written, rigid form, yes. um, or, or other, other forms too. But, um, but I think that I, I see them more as the, the long form, like what is the, the elephant or blue whale gestation period? And what is for me, the way that, that I write poetry or, or other, other forms, it very much comes from that that first thought, writing practice, taking it and and chopping it up, whatever it was, whatever was first coming down, and then seeing what has heat and seeing what I can bring to to put more into that. Um, and then, and sometimes trying to put it into a specific form as well. But where I see playwriting, um, though it has this, it could have this rigid form, I'm trying to approach it from a a more physical way that both as a writing process um, over, over time, figuring out what, what are the things that these characters are feeling and seeing and doing and how do I mash this all together m- more collage So I think that I've started, even though first drafts for me still feel like um, I'm like trying to push out blackheads or yeah. I'm like just clawing through something uh, like like a chalkboard or something like that at first, just like uh, just getting the first thing out. Then once I once I have something to work with that 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 clay or something to mold with, then I I can I can play with that for a while, um, and then it takes a much longer process to get it developed and hopefully read and seen and maybe someday produced. Uh, so. Yeah, I think that maybe in in time sense they live in these different senses of time, but I like I love the process of writing all of them. Uh and I you know, I love for them the more that they get seen, the better. And I'm I think I'm learning how to free myself more to write 
both what and the way that I want to write mm-hmm. that I think bridges back more to physical theater methods and areas where I first knew you. It's like yeah. that way of being in space is much like how to just put your brain on a page and see what happens. And movement too. That makes right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which kind of, I think, is a great sort of lead into mm-hmm. and viewpoints. And right, yeah. Sort of, sort of blending into your creative process. Yeah, I mean, that was very much, though I may have had some uh, s- small introductions to it earlier in college or, or elsewhere, that was again that f- that first that's first summer away from this person yeah. as i'm as i'm like starting to i'm learning a lot and getting obsessed with this writing practice i i find out from from friends that that this for the second year city company is coming to boise and uh are are having a, a workshop here and so i had like no money i i've just figured out a way and probably just asked my mom to to for for help to get into this thing that i i very much needed and i found working with these incredible artists that are are studying time and space the way that we might study um just words on a page and thoughts and things like that, that this way of working in in the body, working with these um, these these different ways of coming at the vocabulary of being an actor, I found so akin to this new way I was new to me way that I was learning to to write mm-hmm. so that it was coming from a physical practice because I think also, especially for the last hundred plus years, at least in this country and a little bit other outside of it, we started taking a very intellectualizing approach to acting in different, whether it's a a debasement of Stanislavski's method when he brought that here to, to other forms that was all about the idea of memory or the idea of um, who we are to each other or the idea of these just very, very, very rigid ideas mm-hmm. um, that's that's very much outside of the physical body and keeps us probably trapped in our head much more so. Mm-hmm. So, and, and Bogart, learning about the viewpoints that was started by a, a dancer, a postmodern dancer, Mary Overly, uh, in in the middle of when she was taking a break from New York and being in Montana with all this space and and time, started looking at these different ways of seeing space and time. And then Anne Bogart took that and with Tina Lando and and her city company, uh, in in New York, um, SITI, the Saratoga Institute of um, theater international saratoga international something like that um so so taking this 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 amazing group of of physical actors um and helping helping them like together learning with them how to utilize this vocabulary to create something together while they were also collaborating overseas with tadashi suzuki suzuki in Japan with his Toga company, which is a much more Suzuki being a much more um, classically based, but also postmodern form that takes ancient Japanese practices of theater, 
Shakespearean drama, ancient Greek practices, ballet, um, and and mashes them together into this in- incredibly um, somewhat militant martial arts almost way of all all to bring out the voice through strengthening the legs and the core and um and so these two forms together became such a, a yin and yang and such a um a, a horizontal and and vertical way of bringing the phenomenology of of the actor into into existence in a very very different way. So I like I'm just like stumbling in yeah. as this writer who doesn't know like I it's played around with theater, um, and for for several years I was uh, just diving into it. I find I get a lot of like I get obsessed with something and then I let it go. That's martial arts or a guitar or um, or dance or this and and it was it really fed this idea of physical theater writing from a physical way um, how how I can write in a way that actors of this kind of caliber who work in this um, again physical way yeah. in in this way that that takes something from being, in a living room set into being this gigantic thing that could be performed in an ancient Greek uh, theater that's half half made for the gods yeah. or or an, like an opera uh, uh, an outdoor opera stage like how how can something that has been trapped in like living rooms and kitchen sinks for for a hundred or so years then explode out to being something that is is as as grand as what Sarah Rule makes or or Eric N or like all, all of these people who take something that um and and put it back to where it once was, which is this giant form. So so I started I got very fascinated in that in that world and and still am though I I've been trying to like keep putting up boundaries to give myself more writing time, especially the more I'm teaching. So I haven't been practicing in the same way, but I still have a deep love of that kind of physical practice and that kind of uh, devising theater and and people coming together to create something that is incredibly visceral and tangible because it's, what it does is it takes whatever is happening on stage and it it is in, in relationship with the audience, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But when it's being um, driven in such a physical way and sensory way, then whatever's happening in your mirror neurons in the audience is going to be replicated, or or is going to replicate what's happening, what they're what you're seeing on mm-hmm. stage, so that you are experiencing what's happening. And that happens no matter what if you're seeing something on television. But when you really start to mine that right. yeah. by digging even further into the physical potential of what's being created, uh, and and not just in in the text, but also in what's happening on stage and how it's being presented, then uh, then the capacity or the possibilities of that are much larger. I think. Yeah. Oh, I just love that. One thing that always remained with me and that I took and applied it because I think it's very applicable, not just in a performance but in life. Just yeah, in being and walking across the street. Yeah. The right. idea of being still and not still like not moving, mm-hmm. but yes, that too, 
but the stillness of the awareness of everything around you. Yes. That, that quiet space where you see and feel and hear everything and that everything you need is right here. Yeah. You have everything you need in your hands and mm -hmm. your feet and your movement. And the idea of movement project, uh, the movement lending itself to the emotion. Mm -hmm. Like that was a wonderful mm -hmm. thing to explore and understand and mm -hmm. better apply. And then to be able to see how that movement um, sort of uh, provokes that feeling just in life. Mm -hmm. when and then I'd be being in that in the viewpoints um, Saturday morning, which was a favorite to, to attend, um, seeing it just uh, in tempo in life. Mm -hmm. Like I, I mm -hmm. began seeing things different. Mm -hmm. It's like when you learn something new and your mind shifts mm -hmm. and then your world just seems new again. And that's how it felt mm -hmm. it for me, very like new. And I could hear, and even now, like I'll tell my kids and I'll be like, wow, I, hear, I see a tempo yeah. happening right yeah, now. Yeah, right. Like, people crossing or just the way I'm driving or the way I'm being or the way yeah. interacting. And that's, I don't know, there's something just so clear about it, but yet so mm -hmm. complex as mm -hmm. well and simple, but yet not simple. Mm -hmm. And all of those things together. Yeah. And that summer that I um, participated in the city, I, I experienced like you did too. I I didn't. I had to scramble for the. Yeah, yeah, totally, it was, totally. It was um, and it was worth the experience. It was mm -hmm. very challenging body wise. So yes, was, you know. Yeah. Um. So that was wow. That's, yeah. That good. That is great, and it's great because look how long it's still held, even though I haven't been able to, to mm -hmm. sort of go back and then viewpoints once that I don't see, you know, I don't think it's going on anymore mm -hmm. because just of things like, you know, transitions that need to happen. Um, and so, I don't know. I just think it says something when you can take it with you and and maybe redirect that in your head and how can I bring something from my past experience to the stage? How about I bring what's happening right now? Yeah, to right, what's right. Going on? Yeah, it's such a study in presence and awareness mm -hmm. and... One thing I remember Barney O'Hanlon saying a while while ago is if if we could all just live with a little bit more presence and awareness, then what a different world it would be. So anything that you can do to practice those things, although I haven't been able to to revisit that for for a while, it's been a couple of years since I've been been deep in it. Then um, the studies of also Alexander practice the the technique that I started bringing from from graduate school and um whether it's yoga or or meditation there are we have to find it where we can find it and yeah, yeah. i should probably get back to it at some point yeah, right no, but no i hear you well i mean what are i mean right now we're kind of in a thing <laughs> worldwide right like something's happening <laughs> i love the way you say that something's going on out there like <laughs> that's naming it without naming it <laughs> <laughs> i like that um, so just a couple more questions Great. and then, you know, I want to respect your time as well. Um, one is what project are you currently working on and where can people go to sort of, you know, see all the great things you're doing so that way I can also list it as well. I'll, I'll have oh, great. In the comments also. I've been working on a, a chapbook of poetry that I, I, I'm finally getting a collection. I think I started several chapbooks over the last 10 plus years, but I think this is one that could post possibly go somewhere. So it's mostly um, specifically poems from 
that are based on water. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of water, water poems. Um, so that's in process. And, um, and I'm also in, in conversation with my, my grad program at CIIS. Uh, they, they are, they are working on a podcast called Artifact. Oh, nice. And I was sent an object it's right over there, that art shadow box that, I'm going to be turning into something and talking about my process and making it. So nice. that'll come out sometime in in the spring, and I can send that out when when it does. But through that project, I believe I'll be working on this thing I started this summer through a a virtual playwriting retreat with Eric N. Uh, that started into the century form that I got obsessed with, this this form of essays that is basically a list of 100. Are you familiar with this? So it's it's a list to 100 where there is um, – where every new number is a different thought or idea, but they might link together as, as a whole. And so I got really obsessed with this form, and I'm, so I'm, I'm working on a series of – 10 centuries that will link together. It's a really great way of studying again the the like this idea of autophenomenology, which is like phenomenology is who where we are in our space and time. And then auto autobiography kind of mixed with it that. So like a different way of looking at autobiography through our lens of where we're living now and in the world. And um anyway, so through through that, uh, maybe something will come out physically that will that will become that. So those are the things that are on my mind right now. Oh wow! Oh, that's fantastic. Some really great things to kind of look forward to. And um, what website can they go to 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 track that? Yeah. And see all the other great things. Right, right, some, right. Some really yeah, yeah, yeah. So HeidiCray.com works really well uh, and I should also say that this last this last fall I've had the good fortune of having a a 5 minute play called Dream Song that's been all over the world now because of this this wonderful organization called Climate Change Theater Action so um so that's that's been quite present whether in in China and Austria and um and I think Switzerland and Massachusetts and Michigan and Vancouver and England. Anyway, um, so all, all of that to say that also in the spring, maybe around when this will come out, there will be a, uh, a showing of it also through Story Fort at Tree Fort. Oh, yes. So it'll come back. It'll come back home in that way. Um, and there'll be publications of it of it as well so um so those things you'll probably see if you if you see my website soon you'll probably see a lot of a lot of things related to that yeah and then on facebook because you posted it on mm. facebook it sounds very familiar mm. right? yeah. yes mm-hmm. so i remember thinking yeah yeah because i loved it i'm like yeah go go Heidi. <laughs> um yeah so um so heidi and then they can find you just heidi cray um on facebook if they want to follow you that way. yeah they can they can search me i think i'm 
I'm on there somewhere. I've been I've been pulling back a lot from social media, but there's I think links to that through my website. Nice, nice. That way they can just kind of continue tracking, seeing all the great things. Yeah, totally, totally. And through my website, you can also sign up for mailing lists, so you can get more direct news about things once yeah. I get more regular about that again. Yes, I think soon soon it'll happen. List, oh, thank you. Definitely. That's yeah, very kind. For sure. Um, and. So with your um, current project um, mm-hmm. with a girl going and sort of becoming and coming in with Wolf, I think that lends itself really great to sort of the last question, which we kind of talked just briefly before we began about, really, sure. you know, and a lot of what you talked about really had, there's a lot of female influence in terms yeah. of author and that sort of thing. And I think that's a sort of my goal in the podcast too, is really bringing that community of, of women together yeah. and, and how can we sort of talk about humanity through sort of a female lens, but then bringing, yeah. you know, everyone together. It's not just about women. The purpose isn't to sideline or create right. um, unbalance. It's to create balance. And, and something um, that I'm curious and I am just observing a lot is, you know, how women support each other and how we're learning and that might be bold and, and maybe many disagree, but I still think like women do support each other, but I think we're still learning to support each other and, and how we support each other looks different, maybe depending on where you're at and what group mm. you're with. Right. So I'm curious just from your own experiences or perspective, how, what, what does, uh, women supporting each other sort of look like mm. through your lens and how can that community of women like truly supporting each other not the surface level support which I think many women mm. and myself included I, I have become aware of my own sort of sometimes superficial great job mm. and then I'm feeling mm. <laughs> or or maybe there isn't any feeling and you know how can how can that space sort of mm. authentically be created Mm, yeah that's a great question and i i don't know if i have any answers but things that we can keep always practicing is um like something that my sister and i i created and are are in process of creating uh is 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 a piece that's really really looking at what what are what are women going through and then what are going women going through specifically now uh from like 2016 to this to this particular year um pulling in stories from all kind all kinds of people and and seeking out how to work with 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 women and non-binary persons and um uh trans people identifying across across genders and 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 people women plus right so how how can we keep making space for each other to create work and and I think that can go across disciplines so beyond beyond the world of theater and art but also m- more ways of, of just just finding finding ways to create space that we are we are we are creating something together um i i would like to create more writers group for women again mm-hmm. and and things like things like that where like where there is there are active ways to to bring people together and um to make something and to share something uh to to move it forward so i think that maybe within those those conversations those worlds of um i remember we were talking about the abundance versus scarcity models right that there there's so many ways that we can look toward um, 
not just not just women, how we're how we're sharing sharing the the load together, but also of course um, f- folks from indigenous heritages and 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 from uh, the BIPOC diaspora and and all all different kinds of places that have often been left out the um, different LGBTQ plus places where um, the more that we are lifting lifting up with our own privilege the people who have been underserved and given given less um people who are new to this country like all all kinds of people i think that the more that generosity lends a hand ho- hopefully the more we can keep carving space for out for each other and ourselves and understanding that there 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 is there is enough and that we can claim more. I think that, I mean, it's such an, it's such a good question. It's such an ongoing question, yeah. but ways to nurture ourselves and our own voices and stories are so key to reach out to people and have these conversations like, like you're doing right now mm-hmm. to, um, to keep mentoring and teaching each other, to keep, uh, to keep asking, asking questions. I know I want to ask my mom so many questions before, uh, before it's too late, and just to f- to figure out like how do we how do we make st- space for ourselves and and each other? Um, I think that like you mentioned, me submitting a hundred plays at one point. I think I tried uh, the last the last I tried to have a big number is like something like two hundred fifty or something. And I'm hopefully we'll get to that three hundred space again. Yeah. But I'm such a such a baby, such a newbie compared to so many who put out like 500 a year which is really different in a pandemic we're like we're living in a really different pandemic world and so i'm not saying like to you have to push out your work that much but i have noticed that people have talked about the way that men share their work and the way that they present their work and often they will they will send it no matter not not all of them of course but it is very common of of a man to to take it and submit it anywhere with like not even considering what the um the the specifications are being asked for and they'll they'll like share their work with abundance and just such such pride and just like speak of it even if they don't know what they're doing right it's true in the business community world too and and part of me is like oh don't do that but also part of me is like why don't we do more of that as as women and and women plus uh peoples that not to not to say that it's it's on us and that's a problem because there's so many problems and bias and things that have been going on for from from thousands of years beyond uh in in allowing women's stories to be on the stage, even speaking for playwriting, that is a pretty new thing, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. But um, but I think that if we can keep encouraging each other to have that kind of boldness, but uh, but maybe being mindful too that maybe you should maybe maybe you can know what fits you as well. Yeah. But but going outside of what you think, right? Going outside of that boundary that we make for ourselves yeah. that we think is so caging. Yeah. Um, I think I'm like talking to myself more than anybody else, right? That we have these definitions of what we can do and can achieve, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think we we teach other people how to treat us because of how we 
limit ourselves and we teach other people to limit themselves because we want to compete with them. So how can we just, I don't know, have, have, have that mindset that might be a little bit outside of that scary comfort, comfort world. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I agree with you. And when you say about um, the the way men submit versus women, right, right. the same applies for applications. Yeah, um, yeah. Men will submit if it's 20%, 20%. Yes, 20%, exactly. That's the article that I read. That, exactly, I saw know, that. It'll be, so So when I read that, I'm like, well, then what am I holding back for? So I yes. started to submit. If there's one on there, I'm going to form my yes. to show that I... And then my questions, when I respond, I respond to show how yes. just because I don't have that skill doesn't mean I can't learn it or the skills I have yeah. can't feed into it. And so often they'll get that job based on that confidence right. and bravado maybe, and then they'll figure out once they get there what they need to do, yeah. right? Like to how to fit that. Yeah. But um, often we, not, not all of us and not just women, right. get in this perfectionist trap of I have to I have to know everything before I can go out there I mean I see students do this I know I did this as a student like I'm going to school to show what I know instead of to learn but we don't we put on so much pressure on ourselves and I see students especially during the pandemic right now putting so much pressure on themselves and and I do it too right like so I think, yeah, it goes back to what you were saying about lightness and just yeah. just letting go a little bit more. Yeah. We only have this one life, right? Yeah. And, and to what you were saying, that space, like there is enough space for all of us. So I really think mm. beginning to practice that, that idea and yeah. really, really thinking it and believing it and it becoming like first within us. Yeah. Just her, I agree with you, really yourself, that self-care, that, that individual mm first step and then expanding that to to others as well yeah because right this lends itself then also to men i mean it's not just just a one thing it's not right. mutually exclusive from you know issues or things men deal with also it's that we're all together we're all human in the end that's the whole point is through women understanding humanity and then we're all human right right right, right. And I think there's space for for everyone, but that conditioning that there isn't, I think, really, mm-hmm. really it creates that competition, and it's not necessary. We can we can compete, and we can also feel our feelings, but then we can be happy and support each other as well. And then we can also take the steps, and you mentioned this briefly, to create that space for others mm-hmm. who don't have that opportunity, or maybe mm-hmm. they're could provide that voice of more diversity mm-hmm. how can we participate to create that space for them yeah absolutely right? yeah and i think that's in service of the community and building that humanity right and i think that makes me think how can men do that for women yeah totally you know? right it's not taking away their space there is an abundance of space i mean if the internet can be expanded one zero one zero the universe is expansive it creates and recreates and there's right there's there's enough space for her that creativity and gender and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's looking at as collaboration versus competition. And I think as, as you've brought up the, the mindset of capitalism pushes us in a different direction and the mindset of 
social media and the mindset of so, so many things that will, will suck us up so that we are constantly comparing and constantly um, saying, not this, but not this, and my life isn't, isn't working. Right. Uh, and also, yeah, yes. Oh, Elliot. So um, oh, I just like you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, thinking of, um, in terms of Black Lives Matter movements, mm-hmm. when so much of the pushback comes to, um, well, but but all lives matter when it, all lives cannot matter, right? Until until Black lives do, because yeah. looking at the people who have been treated the worst throughout history, it's it's up to us to bring up black women mostly and once that once that keeps being looked at in terms of equity more so than equality then we'll have a a better chance at at finding um better sisterhood and and humanity and and all of that yeah yeah for sure for sure very well said what a great thing to sort of end on with a lovely period at the end okay (laughs) wonderful thank you so much And thank you for listening to this episode of Her Salty Words. This episode was written and directed by Karina Monoran. This podcast is produced by Salty Words Productions. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to Her Salty Words on your preferred podcast platform. For additional content, visit saltywords.com. And for the video version of this episode, go to YouTube channel Why You Gotta Be So Salty. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.